If your life is absolutely perfect right now, then you probably can't relate to the people on the first Christmas. When you look across the landscape of the Roman Empire and look down at the small area of Israel, right at the birth of Jesus, we find that socioeconomically people were just hanging on. Most of them just eking out survival and a living. We find that 400 years has passed since they spiritually had heard from the last prophet, Malachi, in the Old Testament. They're poor, spiritually, it has been just a time of of silence, and then the Roman Empire has its hand over them where the people cannot experience the freedom like we enjoy today. And yet... In amid the dark background of the first Christmas, we find hope comes. We find that an angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to give birth. And Mary sings a song, Lord, be magnified. You are wonderful for what you're doing. We find that Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, when he realizes that he's going to have a baby who's going to be the forerunner of Jesus, the one that's going to prepare the way for the Messiah, he cries out, Lord, you are amazing and you have redeemed your people and now you're sending salvation. And about 40 days after Jesus was born, realized news has not spread so much about Jesus yet. 40 days after he was born, he would have been taken to the temple and the parents would have offered a sacrifice. And there in the temple, they meet an older saint named Simeon. So take your Bibles and turn with me if you have them or you can read on the screen. In Luke chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse number 25 together. It says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was with him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentile and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and told his mother, indeed this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon is an older man. Again, he has lived through part of what has been 400 silent years since Malachi preached about 430 B.C. 
430 years without a prophet bringing a fresh word from God. The people living under Roman rule, eking out a living. And spiritually, even when they tried to do things, the legalistic Pharisees and Sadducees of that day were constantly saying, you've got to be doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. Even though they couldn't live it themselves, the Pharisees and scribes, they continued to point their finger and said, you got to do, you got to do, you got to do. So there's this heavy heart upon the people when Jesus shows up on the scene. But again, guided by the Holy Spirit, we find Simeon's life is changed. And since that Christmas day, hundreds of millions of lives have been changed. And so the question this Christmas Eve is this, has yours. There's three key truths I want us to just look at briefly tonight as we think about Simeon as he goes into the temple. First is this, that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. It is said that he, uh, that Simeon was promised by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. So there was the promise to Simeon and God kept that promise. And he takes that little child up in his arms and he says, and now you are letting your servant depart in peace. But listen, that was not just a promise to Simeon. The promise of the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the end of Malachi is that there was going to be one who was going to come and he would be the Messiah. In Genesis 3, it tells us that that he would be one who would come through the seed of a woman. In Genesis 12, it would tell us that he would come through the family of Abraham. In 2 Samuel 7, it would tell us that he would come and be a king related down the lineage of David and he would sit on that throne forever and Isaiah some 700 years before Jesus came would say behold a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel over 30 years ago there was a horrific earthquake in Armenia and it hit an elementary school was uh, was was uh, uh, in the the fault line of that earthquake, and rubble had built up over this elementary school. But there was one father who promised his son that if he ever needed him, his dad would do whatever it took to be there for him. And so, dad, when when he saw the elementary school began to just clear rubble. He asked for people to help and he worked for eight hours and ten hours and there were people who just said, look, now it's too late. And he kept working for 12 and to 24 and 36 hours. And at the 38 hour mark, he heard the voices of children. And he began to cry out, is there anyone there? Is there anyone there? And then he began to yell his son's name, Armand, Armand. And listen what happens. A child's voice responded and said, Dad, it's me, it's Armand. I told the other kids not to worry. I told them that if you were alive, you'd save me. And when you saved me, then you'd save them. You promised you would always be there for me. You did it. Dad, what a promise. What a story. 
But what a picture of ultimately what God did for us. He made a promise that there was going to come one who would ultimately bring deliverance, not just for life, but for eternity. That he would bring salvation. God keeps his promises, the promise to Simeon, the promise of the Old Testament, but God also offers salvation. God offers salvation. That's, that's the words of Simeon here. He says that, that my eyes have seen your salvation. He holds this little child up and says, this is going to be the key. When he says that, he tells Mary that her heart is going to be pierced like a sword being struck through it. Because ultimately, knowing the Old Testament in Isaiah 53, 700 years again before Jesus would come, it would tell us that Jesus would be wounded for our transgressions or our sins, and he would be bruised for our iniquities. 700 years before Jesus came, it was told that he would be a sacrifice for our sins. It would picture us like this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to his own way. All of us have been like sheep. We've wandered away from God at some point. At some point in your life, you might be a really good moral person. But I can tell you without hesitation, everybody in here, I can tell you this. There's been a time in your life where you have thought something or said something or done something that displeased God. And because of that, You are disqualified from a perfect heaven with a holy God. But God made a way through Jesus. Because it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. That's us. We've all sinned. Each of us have gone our own way. But here's what it says. But God laid on Jesus the iniquity, or God laid on him the iniquity of us all. That means that salvation would come as Jesus would take the punishment for our sin... And ultimately rise again from the dead. We find God keeps his promises. We find that God provides salvation. But also as we think about this passage, we find God offers peace. He says this, Now master, as he speaks to the Lord, Now Lord, you can dismiss your servant in peace. In peace. There is peace that can be found in life. There is peace that can be found and it can only be found in a person. It can't be found in acquiring more stuff. Don't you find it interesting that all of the commercialism of Christmas and yet the number one Christmas song right now, having sold over 16 million albums recently, the number one recent Christmas song is all I want for Christmas is you. It's about relationship. I want the one that I love at Christmas to be with me more than I want stuff under my tree. I want relationship. And what we find is God provides that relationship as he offers us salvation and provides us peace through Jesus alone. So that you can have peace in life. I started the service today saying that His name would be Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us. That means once you come to know Jesus, he lives in your life forever and ever. That that he's with you all the time. Hebrews 13 tells us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That means that I don't have to go into a boss's office alone or get wheeled into a surgery alone 
That means that I don't have to face a family crisis or a financial downfall alone. That means I always have someone with me. You may feel as Christmas time is here that people can't relate. They don't understand how I'm feeling. They don't know what's going on. Or maybe I just feel lonely. But there is one. And the scripture would say that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. He offers peace in life. You can live in peace. But notice he didn't just say you can live. He says, Master, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. Now that's not what we often want to talk about on Christmas Eve. But you can die in peace. And it's all because of Jesus. That ultimately the picture would be in Luke chapter 16 where there's a man who's very poor and impoverished in life and he dies. And it tells us that angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. As a child, have you ever had those moments? Or maybe as a parent you've had those moments where your child fell asleep or maybe when you were a kid you'd fall asleep and watching TV and then you'd wake up in your bed. It's like, ah, this is where I'm supposed to be. How did I get here? Last thing I remember, I was watching TV. And the picture is, is that at that moment that we take our last breath on earth, we can experience the place we're supposed to be forever with the Lord in heaven. I don't know if you had high school or college uh, level English that you had to to read back through some of the early writers in American history. But one of those writers was Anne Bradstreet. And though it's been a long time since I was a freshman in college, in my English class, when we read early American literature, this poem has stuck with me and I have read it many times since that day. And Anne Bradstreet was one of the early American authors and in 1666, her house burned to the ground. And she wrote a poem about her house. I don't have time to read all of it. It's quite fascinating. But she wrote this. In silent night, I always thought that was interesting, silent night. We think of Christmas. This didn't happen in Christmas. But in silent night, when rest I took, for sorrow near I did not look, I wakened was with thundering noise and piteous shrieks of a dreadful voice. That fearful sound of fire and fire. Let no man know is my desire. I starting up the light did spy. And to my God my heart did cry. It goes on to share her emotion through that. But in her last few paragraphs she writes this. Thou hast a house on high erect, framed by that mighty architect, with glory richly furnished, sounds permanent though this be fled. It's purchased and paid for too by him who has enough to do, a price so vast as is unknown, yet by his gift is made thine own. There's wealth enough, I need no more. Farewell, my pelf, 
My pelf is my possessions. Farewell my possessions. Farewell my store. The world no longer let me love. My hope and treasure lie above. Lord, you're letting your servant live in peace. And you're letting your servant die in peace. And I'm not dreading what I'm leaving. I'm excited about what I'm gaining. That is the message of Christmas. Who cares about the stuff? Most of us can't hardly remember the presents that we received. And even when we did receive them, you know, they're not doing much for us now. I do still have a few Star Wars characters floating around in my house that I've had since I was a child, I'll admit. But the truth is, we leave it all. But we can have assurance. Lord, I can die in peace because I have received salvation. I have been forgiven My life has been changed through Jesus. Now let me tell you, this is not about becoming a Baptist. It's not about saying you've got to take these classes. And it's not about saying you've got to be baptized or take communion. It's not about uh, joining a church. It's not about giving your money. It's not about your service. It's about one thing. You looking at your life and recognizing I don't deserve to go to heaven because I know I can't stand in the presence of a perfect and holy God because I'm not perfect and holy. But because of what Jesus has done and trusting in his work, I can enter by grace into his presence because of Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, and his offer of salvation. Have you received him? That is the gift of Christmas. And how sad would it be to receive gifts at Christmas all of our life and miss the one gift that God has offered us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? And I want to ask you, do you know that you've received God's gift, Jesus? Maybe tonight you need to come and recognize, look, Lord, I know I've sinned. I'm I'm not perfect. I've thought things or said things or done things that have been displeasing to you. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin and rose again. And Jesus, I need you to forgive me. And Lord, I trust you alone as the only way of salvation. If you would, if you would speak that to the Lord in Acts 16, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. If you trust him alone, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the very name of Jesus means Jehovah saves. Would you call on Jesus? In just a moment, we're going to sing again. But can I pray for you right now? And maybe during this prayer, you need to cry out and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I'm not trusting my works or anything I can do. I trust Jesus, you alone, as the only way of salvation.
forgive me. And Lord, come into my life. And Lord, I pray that you would take this night and this time and may our hearts truly be in that relationship with you so that we can live in peace and that we can die in peace. I pray that each person here would truly have confidence that they have received your great gift. In your name, amen.